This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. You're in the book of Luke 2. This will be the Christmas story. We're going to be in Luke 2, Matthew 2 a little bit. But, you know, when you begin to study the time of the year we're in Christmas, um, people experience great anxiety and stress. Uh, there's, there's depression, loneliness. And statistically, when you look at this, the acts of violence and even the rate of suicide begins to go up. And I believe part of the issue is that is because many times we overlook the real meaning, the real significance of why we celebrate Christmas. And you may observe Christmas as a culture, and what I mean by that is oftentimes it's a great time of the year. This may be the only time of year when your family gets together, your friends, and you think about all that's been going on this whole month almost. There's, there's parties, there's banquets, there's school activities that take place over and over. And if I'm not careful, I, I get caught up with the reindeer. I get caught up with Santa, the gifts, the presents, where I can be oblivious to the real reason that we celebrate this. So this morning, I want to highlight some things and some people within the Bible. And I believe when I read this, at times, it'll locate you and it'll locate me. So we begin in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census first took place while Canarius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Now, one of the big reasons they had this census is because they knew once we got you on record, that meant you had to pay taxes. And so that was part of the significance behind this. It goes on to say in verse 4, So Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, before he was the house of the lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, or his fiance, who was with child, or it was very obvious she was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger because there was no room for him in the inn. Now, when you look at this, Shelley highlighted this a little bit. Uh, most people had the thought that, that Jesus would be born with these royal surroundings. But instead, he, he was born there in a stable. And so it, it paints a picture to me, even as believers, life isn't always going to be convenience. And it's not always going to be comfortable. But that doesn't mean that God isn't with us. And so in this passage here, when I read this, the, the passage doesn't mention this innkeeper. But he had to have been there because he was the one that was a bearer of bad news to them when he said, no vacancy. And so this guy had to be tending to the other guests that were on his property. And so when you read this about this woman named Mary, it was a very lonely birth. That you find there was no doctor, there was no assistance, there was no midwives, there was no family. And when I read in the New Living Translation, 
I, I believe Joseph was there, but he wasn't there. And I, and I think when I read that, he, he was very similar to me. At the birth of my children, and both of my kids are here today, I wasn't very good. I, I was zero help. And so when you read this in the New Living, listen to what it says. It says that she, Mary, gave birth, and she wrapped him, and she laid him in a manger. All on her own. And what's interesting to me about this woman named Mary is she was the only person or human being that witnessed both the birth of the Lord and Savior Jesus, but also his death. And so we get back to the, the innkeeper. And even though the Lord Jesus, the Savior, was born on his property, this innkeeper missed the very first Christmas. And I think, why did he miss it? Did he miss it for the same reason me and you can miss it? We become busy. We become preoccupied with the, the busyness of shopping, with, with wrapping of gifts, with cooking, the banquets, the parties, the school activities. And when you think about this, all these compete for our time. And the clutter of activities oftentimes causes us to miss Christmas. Don't miss Christmas this year. Turn with me the book of Matthew chapter 2. And I want to give you a couple other characters that are involved in this that I believe can relate to each one of us that may look similar to our life. The book of Matthew chapter number 2. And I'll begin in verse 1. You got a ribbon, you can stay there in Luke 2 because I'm going to come back to that. But in Matthew chapter 2 verse 1. It says, now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. Have you ever wondered why they called them wise men? I believe it was a hint to me and you that wise men still seek Jesus today. Not for what he can do for us, but who he is. Verse 2, saying, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen a star in the east, and we've come to worship him. The word worship there, it, it, it means an attitude of posture. A heart that says, I, I just want to worship you, Lord, for no other reason but just to call you Lord. Just to raise my hands, just to bow before you. And I believe in this, this gives us an insight. Verse 3, And when Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all of Jerusalem was troubled with him. The word troubled there means he was agitated. He was shaken, he was uh, uh, stirred up. The New Living says he was deeply disturbed. Why would it say that? Because I believe this guy knew or he had the thought, is my supremacy on the verge of me be losing it to this one that's born? And what's interesting today to this fact that things haven't changed, that our Lord and Savior Jesus, he still disturbs people. If you think about the things that go on in our society right now, it's because of Jesus. 
I'm going to read a verse to you real quickly there. This is Matthew 10, verse 34. And Jesus said this, Do not think that I came to bring peace on earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. In other words, a sword is to separate. A sword is is a, a conflict. It's a disagreement. But also, when you see what Jesus came for, Jesus demands loyalty. In other words, he's got to be first. And this is what the disturbance came for Herod. Keep reading with me. Verse 4. So he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together. So he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So I want you to think about this. This this king named Herod, he's so deeply disturbed. He gets the religious leaders of his time, the great priest. And he said, where was he born? He wanted to know. And their reply in verse number 5, So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet. And so these great religious leaders They knew precisely where he would be born. And they quote the prophet Micah. This is Micah uh, chapter 5 verse 2. But you, O Bethlehem, in in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Foreseen seven centuries earlier... The prophet Micah, he prophesied this. And it's interesting to me that these religious leaders, they knew not only precisely where he would be born, but he would be born as a ruler. And when I read this, these are the same men that would ultimately become Jesus' greatest enemies. And I look at these religious leaders, and and why did they not acknowledge him as Savior? Could it be because of a thing called indifference? Could it be a thing because of, of pride and selfishness and being religious? Could it be because I like my position, I like my influence that I had more than Jesus? And so I look at this, and I think here's another category of people. That even though they knew what the prophet said, I will not receive him as ruler, even though they quoted what the prophet Micah said. Verse 7. Then Herod, what he is secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent to to them to Bethlehem, and he said, Go and search carefully for the young child, and you have found him. Bring back back word to me that I may come and worship him also. Now we see a third man in there, Herod. And he said, I want to come and worship him, but he didn't want to worship him. His ultimate goal was to kill Jesus. And so again, he was fearful for his life or for his throne. And literally this is what he said. Don't interfere with my plans. Don't interfere with with my lifestyle. And and this guy named Herod, he was dominated with pride but also of selfishness. 
And so as I look at the three categories of people, the innkeeper, he missed Christmas because he was too busy. The wise men, because of indifference. They're not the wise men, the, the, the uh, rulers, the priests. I'll receive Jesus as long as I'm Lord. As long as, as I can do my own thing. And then the third one was this man named Herod. And he had to be first. Jesus, you can't be first. And so we begin to look at these three. And as I read this, oftentimes I begin to think, would that describe me? Am I, am I too busy to allow Jesus to be the Lord of my life here at Christmas? Is there indifferences with me? Again, I'll call you Lord as long as you don't cramp my style. I'll call you Lord as long as you don't interfere with how I want to live. And so again, every one of us in here, we have to observe our own life and think, where am I at today? Why do I celebrate Christmas if I do? Now go back with me to the book of Luke chapter 2 where we first began. And as we turn back to Luke 2, everything begins to change for every one of us through this passage. Luke 2, verse number 8. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. I, I remember this, and the reason I want to highlight this, because it says they were watching over their flocks at night. I spent many a nights there in, in, in Oklahoma with a grandmother that lived out in the middle of nowhere. And I remember some nights that, that when you would get out of the car, literally the only light that would shine around would be the reflection of the moon or the stars. And being out in the middle of nowhere, it was really, really dark. And so put yourself in these, these shepherds' position today. I mean, probably the only light they had was a, a fire, a, a campfire that they huddled around. And so get this picture that they're watching their sheep and it's, it's pitch dark out. They can't see nothing. And verse 9 says, And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. I imagine so. And so when you look at this, it's interesting to me that all the people in the area of Jerusalem and Bethlehem, God chooses these lowly shepherds. And He chooses these lowly shepherds to be part of the birth announcement of His Son, the Lord and Savior, Jesus. He had all these religious people. He had all the, the, the priests. But the only ones that made time for Jesus was these lowly shepherds. And when I read that part, you know what it says to me? God doesn't desire that you have this incredible resume about your life. God doesn't care about if you have these extraordinary credentials. God wants you just as you are. 
God doesn't care about your past. God says, I just want all your heart. And watch how Scripture begins to portray that. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. To all people. See, when I read into that, Jesus died for all people. He doesn't care about how much you sin because the truth of the matter is every one of us has sinned. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so God's not looking for perfect people. He's just looking to people that are like sheep that will come to him and allow them to listen to what he says. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. What a birth announcement. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. Now how would you like to be in that? Those angels, I mean those uh, wise men that day. Can you imagine that night? The darkness of the night, but man, it soon lit up with the birth of this Savior. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste. They, they hurried. They didn't delay. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And, and when I looked at this, they didn't procrastinate. They didn't say, let's wait a few days. It said, with haste, they hurried. And you know what this tells me? They didn't want to miss Christmas. They wanted to celebrate the true meaning of Christmas. And I say that to us to this day. Don't miss the reason we celebrate Christmas. And I believe God wants us to have fun. God loves us to have family. God loves us to eat. I mean, every one of us in here, we like to eat. But I can't miss the number one reason we celebrate Christmas. Keep reading here. Verse 17. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known the saving, or the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at the things which they were told by the shepherds. If you'll read into there in verse 17 and 18. They were so blessed to see the Savior that they had to tell somebody. They became witnesses. And I believe that's our significance to this day. It's one thing for me and you to be saved. It's one thing for me and you to receive Jesus as Lord of our life. But I'm telling you, Jesus never wants us just to keep that within us. His desire is just like these wives. you got to tell somebody you got to tell somebody. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm very grateful for what Jesus has done for me. 
I'm so blessed. I, I stand before you again this day like I do Sunday after Sunday, and I can tell you my life would be that of a person that would be incarcerated or I would be dead right now without the Lord Jesus. And many of you in here, you're the same place. And I got to tell somebody, and I can stand before you today, and I can say, God, still through the Savior, Lord Jesus, he takes messes and he makes miracles. And just because you have a resume of sin, just because you may have a a resume of failure, that doesn't mean God doesn't want you. Actually, those are qualifications that say God wants you. So he loves you today. And I got one more passage here. Just turn to your right to the book of John chapter 1. John chapter 1. So as you're turning there, man, let the story of Christmas, let it rule in your heart today. Let it be the, the vocal point of this Christmas. John chapter 1, verse 11. Talking to Jesus, and it says, He came to his own or his own people. And his own people wouldn't receive him. They rejected him. But as many as received him. How do I receive him? I believe with my heart and I confess with my mouth that he's Lord of my life. And he said to many as those who received him to them... He gave the right, he gave the authority or the, or the privilege to become children of God to those who believe in his name. See, I want to highlight that today. I want you leaving here today knowing you're a child of God. I remember a few weeks ago, I was right here, and a young couple walked up beside me. And she asked if I would pray for her. And I said, I'd be honored to pray for you. And I said, but before I pray for you, can I ask you a question? And she said, yeah, and she may be here today. But I said, is Jesus Lord of your life? And I said, let me rephrase that. If you were to die today, can you look me in the eye and tell me where you'll spend eternity at? And she said, I I can't answer that. And I looked at her and I said, Woo, Bell lost a tree again. Again. I said, see, that's the difference between me and you right now. I can look you in the eye and say, if I was to leave this earth today, I'll spend eternity in heaven. Not because I'm this great Christian. Not because I'm perfect. Not because of any of my credentials. Because I accepted Jesus as Lord of my life. And I confessed Him as Lord. And I believed in my heart that when I said that prayer, I was saved. And so this is exactly what this passage of Scripture is telling us today. To those who would receive Him. And I always, I always love the heart of people and saying, you know, I, I can't receive him today. i got to go and, and get my act together, and then I'll receive him. Well, you missed the point. 
If you can get your stuff together without Jesus, you would never need Jesus. And so when Jesus accepts you as his child of God, as a son or daughter, he knows what he's getting. You're not a mystery. For God so loved the world, he knew without a Savior we had no chance. Come just as you are. So he goes on to say, to those who had the right to become children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born or reborn, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, the acts of a physical birth, nor of the will of man, the natural father, but they were born of God. And so when you look at here, the new birth, it doesn't come from human effort but the power of God. And so when you get born physically upon this earth, you become part of a family. What'd you do to become part of a family? You didn't do nothing. Whoop, here you are. You came into this world. What did you do to get your last name? Let me tell you, you did absolutely nothing. And so my last name is Swan. So when I came into the world and I began to understand, they said, your last name is Swan. How'd you do to get that? I just came into the world. But when I get born again, I come into God's family. And how did you do that? The only way you do that is you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior. And guess what? They say, now you got a last name. You're part of the family of Jesus because of anything you didn't know. And so if we were to go on in the scripture, it says that the Lord Jesus became flesh. The word became flesh. And it says that he was the truth and the grace. He's the truth. But he's not just the truth. He's the grace. Two verses later, John 1.16. And some of you need to read this really, really good. Let this saturate you today. It says you were graced with grace. The greatest gift you'll receive today isn't a new Michael Coors purse. And it's not the greatest new edition of Fortnite. I'm sorry to hurt some of you young ones. And it's not a new pair of Ray-Bans, but the greatest gift is the Lord and Savior, Jesus. And the next best gift is we've been graced with grace. God's grace is incredible. And I don't know where you're at today, but I encourage you, when you start waking up on Monday morning, Father, grace me with your grace today. And you know what Father God says? That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my girl. I just want to grace you today. But let me give you a little insight. The only way you get born again is you've got to ask Jesus to come into your heart. And the way I get born again is the way I receive that grace to say, Father God, I, 
I welcome your grace. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.